Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're talking about the big beauties, baby, the offensive linemen, offensive tackles, and interior offensive linemen for the 2024 NFL Draft. Connor and I are going to talk to you about our top five players going into the season. We're going to talk to you about types of players that we gravitate toward, both at offensive tackle and with those interior guys, the traits that we look for, what goes into our scouting, all the good stuff. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sycamore. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys for the Big Beauties Day. All right, Connor. I'm not calling them big uglies. That's what we're, we're not going to start off this pro, this podcast with disrespect. We are calling the trench players the Big Beauties. It's big Beauties. I like it. The offensive tackles and the interior offensive linemen. Connor and I are going to give you our top fives for each of those categories, and we're going to break down kind of what we saw from them and what we want to see from them going into this season as we head into the 2024 draft cycle. Connor, how are we doing today, my friend? You look a little you look a little more tan after the beach eight getaway days. that you were on. So. Eight, eight days of being a total shore bum. All I did, uh, honestly, mm-hmm. full transparency, I was watching my parents' pup, who has a lot of energy, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, but I've told you this before, Trevor. I'm, I don't, like, jump out of bed at 5 a.m. anymore. I, I'm not on that schedule. I'm a bit of a night owl. <laughs> So this is the week of the year where, and he's good. He's gotten a lot better since now he's three. When he was one and I used to watch him, it was like 5 a.m. Like we're, you know, running down to the water. But I was getting up earlier than usual. Uh, so I'd wake up, take him out, get my morning workout in. Nice. And if I wasn't at the beach or drinking beers, I was watching the Big Beauties. It was Big Beauties week. So it was a lot of fun. I got some sun finally. We'll see it. My tan will last about three and a half hours. I'll probably be back <laughs> to being pale by the end of this show. But it's exciting, man, and and we got an interesting class here because I think a lot of the preseason round one hype, when mock drafts come out, and usually around August, everybody starts firing off a preseason mock. You'll you'll hear a lot of the tackle names, I think, from today's show, and that yes. alone makes this pretty interesting uh, for us to do this exercise of how they stack, you know, where we project them, and how things ultimately will go. Yeah, no matter what, whether it's a strong offensive line class or a weak offensive line class there's always a lot of intrigue and there's always a lot of things to unpack because football is still won and lost in the trenches right i mean like that's where a lot of the premium positions lie if if you can win up front you can do so many different things on both the offense and defensive side of the ball but particularly for this episode offense and so when these guys are really good you're talking about, well, how many can we fit into the top 10, top 12, whatever it is. And when the class isn't very good, that doesn't change how many teams might have offensive line needs in the league. So you might have have teams reaching for certain traits or certain qualities that have these guys projecting well to even if it's just one scheme, like an inside zone scheme or more of a power scheme or uh, a team that really wants to run the ball, a team that really wants to pass the ball, whatever it is. And so we're going to have, I think, both sides of that conversation because the offensive tackle class, really notable at the top. A lot of names that are a lot of fun to talk about, and we're going to dig into that as we get into our top fives. But the interior offensive line class, I think you and I might differ in our rankings there than maybe any other position. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say any other position that we do throughout summer scouting. I think we're going to um, have a lot of differing opinions when we go through interior offensive line, just because it's so up in the air. There isn't this clear cut five guys in the class. There's a lot 
to kind of unpack. So um, I don't know. Do you want to start with offensive tackles? You want to start with interior offensive line? I will give you the floor as we kind of get into this group. I think tackles because there's star power here. Yeah, is that, you know no, what I mean? Absolutely is. And yeah. it's not to take away. I, it probably makes for people listening the interior players more interesting because you'll hear names that you just never hear. But the reason I want to start with the tackles is, I mean, there is legitimate star power here and expectations that are set very, very high for these guys. Very, mm-hmm. very high. And I thought there was some depth to this class. I really did. Now, you and I, Alfair, have talked about how there's also a lot of deficiencies with this group and a lot of players just need to get stronger in this class. And But I definitely think the tackles, they're a star power that I think will make it fun uh, to start with. Okay, let's do it. And I also know that, you know, we do this every episode, but we'll have our five, and there's guys that we're going to want to talk about that are just outside the top five as well for their projections and what we could see them becoming and all that. But who came in at number five for you and your preseason offensive tackle list for the potential 2024 NFL draft? So number five for me was someone you texted me, and you're like, De- definitely watch this guy because sometimes the underclassmen can you know fly under the radar. I know on this show we, we go pretty heavy on guys that are – uh, highly regarded seniors and work our way down besides the stars like Marvin Harrison Jr. You were going to watch Caleb Williams, yeah, we're watch. but uh, JC Latham for me was okay. number five. And I am really glad that I watched him because this, this is the wild ride of the entire show. I mean, Latham as a, and this isn't shocking, a former five star. He, he was the number two overall prospect from what I saw in his recruiting class. Was Not number in, two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what Alabama's page lists him as. So there was some services that had him as the number two overall prospect in his class. He was a 13-game starter at right tackle for Alabama in 2022. Latham is a unit. He's listed six foot six, three thirty-five, just a mammoth of a human. I mean, we've watched Alabama long enough to know like they can get these prototypes, these guys that are this highly regarded. And why I say wild ride, this is the one where we lean heavy on the pros because it's summer scouting. It's a little bit more loose. It's a bit, a little bit more fun. Um, it's a little bit more, not hype driven, but here's a lot of things that are exciting about this guy and why you need to watch him during college football. There's a lot of negatives to this guy's game right now that I had to write down as well. The the good an insane amount of mass in his base. I mean, yep. this is an Oak tree, right? Like you just look at him and you're just like, okay, good comp. Th- this good is, comp. yeah, there it is. Just, <laughs> just uh, one of the ones in California the giant redwoods redwoods, redwoods. yeah redwoods yeah, those are insane this guy's a redwood tree yeah big, so big, much strength nature, in his hands big nature podcast here on this yeah episode. we love we love uh we love the nature so so much strength <laughs> in his hands country strong truly country strong he's originally i want to make sure i have this right i'm pretty sure he's a wisconsin kid yes yeah who went yeah. to img which is like classic you know you gotta be you gotta be careful about that as someone who was actually born in bradenton florida when you look up these recruiting backgrounds of some of these players, it will sometimes say like where they're coming from. If it if it is Bradenton, Florida, damn good chance they were not born in Bradenton, Florida. Right. They were born somewhere else and they transferred to IMG because IMG is one of the um, major uh, prep academies that are it's in the world. Honestly, it's an all-star it football. football team. That it happens is, it is. school. It is. Yeah, right. So like you get guy and if, if, you, if you guys out there are doing your own research when you are making your own uh, draft database and you say like where this guy is from, just be careful if it ever says Bradenton, Florida, it's probably somewhere else. But you are right. He is originally from Wisconsin. Yeah, Oak Creek, Wisconsin, which is, you know, obviously the Alabamas of the world, they dip into IMG because it's just loaded with talent. But 
still interesting. This is a Wisconsin kid uh, mm-hmm. at heart. And it's not like he's been in Florida for 50 years. I mean, he played some version of high school football at Wisconsin at one point, but he's a mammoth. Once again, country strong where if he gets his hands on you and it's right, like the placement's right. He's so gifted that he's always going to win that way. It's just getting to that point is, is the issue. Uh, I wrote, he can lock on to defensive ends in the zone running game and dump them on the move mm-hmm. with the grip. Because yeah. if he strikes, if he hits the strike zone, when he's on the move, there is so much momentum. And this is physics folk, folks take note. You're getting, you're getting every aspect of science class right now. You got a little nature talk. You got, now you're getting physics, the momentum this man generates. And when he hits the strike zone with his hands, I mean, defenders go to the ground. He dumps them. He just kind of discards them, moves them out of the way easily. I wrote it. He's so big that he can effectively cut off backside defensive ends, really just with his broad back and shoulders. It's yep. a, like there are guys where you watch them execute cutting off, and it, it really looks like poetry in motion. It, it's like almost dancing in slow motion where it's so beautifully scripted. With him... It's really just brawn mass. It's like, okay, uh, you're this big. If, as long as you're there, there's really no moving around him. Like you, you really can't, de- he boxes people out like a power forward. That's what mm-hmm. he could do on the cutoff. And once again, this is physical gifts. I mean, I'm going to be honest at this point. JC Latham is in my fifth spot over a couple other worthy guys because he is physically gifted. Not yeah. because he is a refined, ready to play NFL football tackle. He is nowhere near any of that. But he is so physically gifted that if he continues to grow and continues to start, which he will, um, and, and that'll probably be on the left side this year, right, Trevor? Are they going to yeah. flip him over? No, I, I, uh, TBD. No, I think I think I did read that they were flipping him over. To I thought so too. I, when you watch like eight million of these guys, you forget like who's written in from spring ball flipping yeah. over. Either yeah. way, Latham start on the right side. I think long term he, he's going to get a chance on the left. Here's where the the negatives start to come in, and he has to refine. This dude is a penalty machine. I mean, like I've never seen before. Just in our overview in Ultimate, if you when you watch a guy and go through his numbers and stuff, a lot of it is is post-snap penalties. So you could have holding, things like that. But if you go to a certain part, you could see all the penalties, and obviously pre-snap matters a lot for offensive linemen. He had 11 that you could watch through. And, and that's counting ones that could be, um, you know, obviously taken off the board and turned down. But when you look at the false starts, they are so consistent week by week that I w- I'm wondering, is he worried about speed right now, right? Does he not trust his ability to get into his pass set and take on speed? Because it's not like he had a false start this week, okay, and then November came around. It's it's pretty much weekly at this mm-hmm. point from what I watch. And Alabama fans know what I'm talking about because I feel like Alabama fans saw this guy and it was Jekyll and Hyde where one play he'd be the best player on the field. And the next play he'd, he'd put you from third and three into third and eight mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. The field awareness is a step behind his talent and physical ability. Everything is just, he's not seeing and understanding where everything's coming from at times. He's just reacting with his physical talent. Uh, speed rushers were able to, so this is where I match the penalty problem with the actual, okay, that is a problem. Speed mm-hmm. rushers cross his face and they cross his face yeah. a lot. And the quarterback, you know, pretty good quarterback. You ever hear of him? He went number one overall. He reset the pocket really well that it probably didn't show up on his stat, offensive line stats like it typically would. It might be a hurry, like at worst. But a less elusive, twitchy quarterback, and those might be quarterback hits and sacks once in a while. 
uh, I wrote down my final thing is high variance player that runs so damn hot and cold. But he's young. He's young. He was a first-year starter. Yeah. He's loaded with traits, Trevor. He's he's just loaded up with traits. But if he has the same year he had in 2022, he's not a, a first or a second round pick at all. But if he takes strides, he is so fit. He'll walk into the combine and every NFL offensive line coach will be like, that is what I want at starting at either tackle spot for me. Right. Yeah. And I'm very yeah. curious to know how you saw him because he was the guy you texted me and said, make sure you watch JC Latham. And you didn't, you didn't, it wasn't loaded. You weren't like, he's so good. He's so bad. It was just make sure you watch him. Yeah. We, I try not to, anytime there is somebody that I want you to watch one way or the other, I try not to sway on it because, and that's why, you know, people get a kick out of us revealing our rankings for the first time when we actually do the podcast. It's because we want, our eyes to be independent of a lot of things that we're hearing and obviously just chit chat, chit chatting back and forth. So when we talk about these guys, it's a lot of us talking about them um, for the first time. I saw him very similarly to you. I have him at four. So it's, it's kind of a good segue into the conversation. I'll go back to who I have at number five in a second, but we might as well talk about him here for, for conversation's sake. You're right. I mean, the, the physical gifts are the part that you loved. And I, I would echo, basically everything that you said a lot of what he does really well right now is he's a smooth mover for a guy who's almost you know whatever it is mid 330s almost pushing 340 like he's probably 340 man but like dude can move i mean like on the hoof he is smooth he's coordinated like you said he knows how to wall people off whether it's linebackers whether it's defensive linemen all of that is super lurid he's very very difficult to get around especially when that pocket is moving to the left or right so i think he generates really good power from his lower half as well when he was asked to do combo blocks and duo blocks and just running power up the middle even with him as a puller like this dude had a ton of strength to him and when he made contact you could tell he was truly generating that from the lower half of his body going all the way up through his chest and through his hands to really um displace these guys and so that part of it is super alluring i don't know if i i I don't know if I'd agree with you when you say like, hey, if he has another year exactly like we saw last year, he wouldn't be a first or second second round pick. Good point. He'd probably be a second round pick, right? right. At least you know. You gotta, you right. gotta bet on these guys, but I think I wouldn't take them in the first two rounds. To uh, your point, you're right. To, but to your point, I would say that when things, how should I put this? He needs to anticipate better. He needs to be comfortable when things don't go well for him right away. The best offensive tackles in all of college football and then of course throughout the draft process and then even getting into the pro level are the ones who no matter what move the defensive lineman puts on you you don't panic and unfortunately i think there's there's a decent amount of panic to latham's game right now or at least there's a decent amount of uh, anticipation that needs to be a lot better you go right. and watch that auburn game specifically very early in the game, Derek Hall punches this dude in the mouth. Now, not literally, but he goes Close. St- <laughs> he goes straight into Latham's chest. And he's like, I know you're 340, and I know that nobody really challenges you at your chest. But guess what we're doing today? We're going straight at you. And Latham wasn't ready for it. And Derek Hall bull rushed him straight back into the quarterback. And from that moment on, you can see in the plays that followed, he was cut. Latham was kind of psyching himself out a little bit. He right. was like, oh, wait a second. My weight 
is not enough to neutralize what Hall and Woodland are able to do as they're coming at me. And so you saw him give up his technique and again, panic seems like the wrong word, but almost panic in a sense, get away from you being confident that you could say, okay, if they come into my chest again, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a little bit lower. I'm going to keep my head up. I'm going to anchor. I'm going to stick my feet in the ground and I'm going to use that leverage against them and I'm going to lift them up so they can't push me back anymore. That's all. It, it, I, I am way oversimplifying it. It is much more difficult to do than that, but still fair. I say that to say instead what Latham often did was when the Auburn edge rushers, no matter who it was, whether it was Hall or somebody else, started to come at him, you could see that he would dip his head. He would almost like go into like a launch mode and he would try to launch himself at them to try to counter what would be the bull rush because he was like, okay, well, Auburn's going to try to bull rush me all game. Then what happened? What you exactly brought up a couple of minutes ago. They went across his face. They hit an inside move. They swam right by him. And all of a sudden, he's pushing at air, and the guy's running around him, disrupting Bryce Bryce Young. So that was something about Latham that I noticed, not just in the Auburn game, but other ones as well. He just needs to be more calm and confident in the abilities that he has. And like you mentioned, he is young. So it is to be expected that that can get a lot better. But to your point, Not that he wouldn't be drafted highly because we know it's a trait-based draft. That's what all drafts are about. You're betting on a lot of what guys can be. But if you were to take Latham and try to put him in the NFL right now, wouldn't go well, especially against the most technical pass rushers and the pass rushers that really have great plans going into it, counter plans, all of that. So he's a ways away from really achieving his potential. But I I, I want to end this part of uh, his evaluation by saying that potential is huge, man. I, I think he is incredibly gifted physically. I think everything is there for him. And especially starting in the SEC, even though there are criticisms of his game, there are things to critique. Putting out what he put out last year as a first-time starter at right tackle, first-time full-time starter at right tackle, it's good. It's a good baseline. So I want to see him take that next step this year. I did look it up while you were uh, reading. It's not for sure that he's moving to left tackle. I think they have a couple of other options. They might play left tackle. So he might be staying at right. But that's ultimately how I saw Latham. I I guess I'll I'll finish it out by um, reading my little blurb that I have on him for the preseason. If, If you're an offensive line that prioritizes size, Latham will be high on your list. He gives you that big body but isn't reckless, but is not a reckless brute. He has some good feel for pass protection. Uh, I like how his hands are used. Those active hands specifically, I think, move very fast, and I think he's got a good understanding of where they should go, even though they don't hit at the exact points yet every time. He's a, His bigger and thicker frame can open him up to get beat from wide rushes when they counter inside, but overall, he shows starter traits for the next level. So that's what yeah. I thought on Latham. No doubt about that. And to kind of end, end this before I go to you for your number five, the glass half full, because I think we talked a lot about things he needs to work on. The glass half full is this is a guy with raw ability that if he gets 25% better this year, it's probably a top 15 pick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're like dry- that- if he gets 25% better, he's yeah, he's he's a top 20 pick. So that's a nice place to be if right. you're young J.C. Latham right yes. now. Who do you got yes. at five? 
So I have Jordan Morgan at five, the redshirt senior from Arizona. Now, I know you watched him because we cross-referenced yep. a little bit of some of the guys that we were watching, but three-star offensive tackle prospect from the state of Arizona. Um, also uh, competed in the shot put in track and field. I always like to see if guys had track and field backgrounds, and he did. You know, He wasn't out here running the 100 meter, but he was a shot put guy. That's often what you see from the offensive tackles. Some interesting PFF stats for him before I kind of get into the film really low pass blocking grades in his first three years. Um, and he also had really low run blocking grades, pass blocking grades in, well, 2019 and 2020, he didn't play a ton. He had 47 snaps in 2019 pass blocking snaps, I should say. So specific 47 in 2019, 101 in 2020, he had a 60.5 passing grade in, in 2019, a 35.1 pass blocking grade in 2020 in 2021, when he became a first time starter, it's a little better. Not really. 55.6 pass blocking grade. That's not great. Run blocking grade as well in that 2020 season. 53.3. Both of those scores. Not great, Cotton. But last year, way better. 82.0 pass blocking grade, which is a massive leap in, in a category that is so uh, technical and that you play so many snaps, over 400 snaps to be exact, and a 78.6 run blocking grade. So this guy got better as an offensive tackle across the board. He was in no way on my draftable radar last year. Um, Same. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, just, just I mean, I, the year before, I should say, 2021, I really did not think about Jordan Morgan as a, a draft-eligible guy, but now um, I definitely can see that. He only allowed one sack on those 443 pass-blocking snaps, so um, obviously a really great note there. Size, six foot four and a half, 306 pounds. Those are below the 50th percentile in both of them. It's, it's small for a tackle. 15th percentile in height and 24th percentile in weight but when guys are lighter you have to say okay you better be able to move well he moves well oh, i buddy. think that he's a, i think that he is a smooth mover and that's something that his is one of his calling cards for sure especially in zone blocking schemes i feel like he was really able to thrive whether it was inside zone or outside zone you can get him to be a valuable part of moving a pocket left or right um I, it's something that I really liked about Morgan specifically is when you talk about play in the trenches, all the muscles in your body are extremely important. You're talking about trying to displace another human being against their will. As they are trying to use all of their strength, you are trying to use all of yours. With Morgan being in just the 24th percentile in weight, that means that he's really got to be in tune with calling strength from his entire posterior chain, from your feet to your calves and your quads and your hamstrings, all the way up through your chest and your hands and your arms. Like All of those things have to work well for you to be an effective blocker and for you to move people. He does. When he is on the run, when he is making contact, but also something that I really like is in his pass sets. He is very comfortable staying in a squatted position. So when guys come at him, if somebody comes into his chest, he is able to immediately sink his hips, get his hands inside, and boom, neutralize him a little bit, hopefully pop him up and neutralize him with some leverage, but anchor very, very quickly. And then when it comes to just pass sets overall, if people are trying to long arm them, if they're trying to swipe the hands away, whatever it is, and he is the one who gets to dictate the contact, he's going to do so because he's from a squatted stance, boom, straight into their chest and punch them 
with as much power as possible. So that's something that you want to see. That was a technique part of his game that I really, really appreciated. Uh, and, and I liked a lot. I think he's got a great mentality too. competitive tough or yeah. Competitive toughness is a category that I have for both interior offensive linemen and offensive tackles. Because when I listen to these offensive line clinics, when I listen to people who scout offensive line, they all mention competitive toughness. They're like toughness in the trenches is so important. I need a dog. I need somebody who is in there to fight, to finish through the whistle. And, um, and I think that, that Jordan Morgan absolutely does that couple of weaknesses uh, yeah. that I'm, Oh, do you, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, please, please go ahead. I just, I, I was going to say a couple of weaknesses that I had, and then I'll turn them over to you. Um, has some reps where he dips his head a little bit. So the, it's kind of like JC Latham to try to conjure up as much strength as possible. He'll dip the crown of his helmet. And anytime that you're dipping the crown of your helmet like that, guess where your eyes are not on the target. So that gives defensive ends and edge rushers who are coming in. If they, have it in their mind to hit a counter on you, to move inside, to swim by you, you're giving them the green light to do that. So you don't want to drop your eyes. You want to keep your eyes on, on contact and, and be able to get strength in a different way. Um, can sometimes swing his arms. Again, I think that he's weighing 306 pounds. He's trying to generate as much power as possible. So instead you'll see his hands kind of be by his side, but then think of it like a throwing motion, how a throwing motion for quarterbacks is you want it to be compact. You want the ball as it comes in their hand. You want it up kind of by the shoulders. And when they are whipping it around, getting in their throwing motion, you don't want them dipping it all the way down to their hip. You know, think about Tim Tebow. You know, a lot of people got after Tim Tebow because the throwing motion was so long. That simply gives you more room for error and takes longer to get the ball out of your hand. So you don't really want that. Speed is king in the game of football. When it comes to offensive line play, you don't want to have to be swinging your arms all the way back in order to move them forward. You hopefully want to be able to keep them in front of you. And it's just maybe a little bit of cocking your elbows back. Boom, like full power, just straight into them. So you don't want that like long wind up because of course, then your hands get a little bit lower. Then it might be easier to swipe away. Um, you just want to be able to keep them up. So that was a, that was a hand technique part of his game that I was like, man, okay. I already see that you're mastering being squatted in your stance. And I don't think that you really need to swing your hands all the way back to try to what generate as much power, but I know why he's doing it. It would just be something where it's like, Hey, be a little bit more compact. You won't give up your chest as much. You won't give him a chance to swipe away the hand. So that was just my thoughts there. But uh, I, I did like Morgan massive step forward in the right direction from last year, guy who moves really well. And a guy who I think has um, the ability to generate some good strength with how natural his balance is and how natural his flexibility is. So, so I had him at number five. Man, I, I'm with you. I had him at tackle three. Um, Ooh, okay. I, I liked him a lot. And it's, I would say this, with this one caveat, and you've worked with me long enough, Trevor, that you know my take. Like, if you're hurt in college a lot, you're hurt in the NFL a lot. That's mm -hmm. kind of something I live by with scouting. And it's if people listening to this show long enough know I've been lower on really good players because of that. It's the thing that held me back from him having a shot at being number two. That's how good the tape was. Honestly, that's how good the tape was. And to kind of close, put a bow on the injury point so people understand that don't know him, he had injuries in both 2020 and 2021. Then he tore his ACL in the, in November, 2022. Mm -hmm. So he's coming off a torn ACL after being mentioned that that was not, not significantly banged up in 2020 and 2021, but he had injuries. He missed time. And so that's, you know, a lot, that's a lot. And it's a shame. It's a shame. You hate to see that because 
as you pointed out, he's gotten so much better over the years. And the only other real problem I wrote down was exactly what you said. He gets caught waist bending and ducking. And I thought it was when his feet were late. It, it wasn't. I, I do wonder, is it a lack of trust and strength? I thought it was that sometimes his feet were a step behind and, and then he tries to generate as much strength as he can, like you Maybe, said. Yeah, that could be it. Right? I, could, I, I mean, could it's all the same. It goes hand in hand. It all, yeah. It's all the same. But yes. Because there are too many good reps of him with really great form and pass protection. Yeah. It just looks like he is balanced. He is flexible. And when guys come into him, he's able to generate a lot of pop for a player who is 306 yes. pounds. So yeah, maybe that certainly could be it. You often don't lose that kind of form unless something goes wrong. So maybe it is the footwork. Maybe he feels a little bit off balance. Maybe that, that that's kind of a, uh, like you said, a catalyst for that. I thought pound for pound, he's so damn strong. I mean, we we think he's 306, and he, he doesn't look like the biggest guy that we got to watch, and he still is so strong at that weight. Uh, more of a compact build. I thought he was phenomenal with leverage because of that. Mm -hmm. Extremely active hands. I mean, the hands are just always working. It's almost like he's eliminating the chance of counter moves. A lot of guys throw their hands and a good pass rusher knows how to counter mm -hmm. with him. He's almost countering before the pass rusher can with his hands. And I, I wrote that he doesn't wait for the battle to come to him. And I really like that about him. It, that's, why, he, that's why I love Darnell Wright last year, right? That was the, that was the entire platform that I stood on with Darnell Wright is he takes the fight to defensive yes. players. And I'm a sucker for guys like that who, who it works for. These are dudes that don't come out of the corner of the ring and are figuring out how to counterpunch. They're mm -hmm. setting the tone of the fight. Uh, plus awareness against stunts and twists. There are a lot of guys in college that they're just not there mentally, peripheral yeah. vision, awareness. It's it's hard as hell. You see guys screwed up in the NFL all the time. For this dude, it, it, the awareness was phenomenal. Uh, lateral agility against inside moves, smooth, real, real smooth. When, when you watch his clips pulling, and they, this dude opens up and runs. I mean, it's seek and destroy mentality. It really is. It, it's it is beautiful to watch this guy get to open up and run and get his hands on someone and dump them to the sideline. Mm -hmm. And it's if you ask your tackles to do that, or if he moves in the inside at the next level, I think he's a tackle. But we know smaller tackles like this. We've seen them have to kick in. He's he's built like a tackle. Though, I agree. You know? He's not a he's not a kicking. I mean, he'd be on the guard list for me if he was. He's a tackle list for us. Which is which is weird because six foot four and a half is like I said, fifteenth percentile. I, I normally for guys like that, I'd be more open to saying, yeah, you could kick him inside. But I don't. He just his entire game and his build feels like a tackle. Even if Minus he comes, maybe. yeah, no, I agree. Even if he comes in at the combine and doesn't have the arm threshold that everybody craves, mm -hmm. he plays so fast and, and has such good lateral agil agility. It doesn't matter. I mean, we had this conversation with Rashawn Slater how many times, right? Right. Yeah, the conversation sure. with Rashawn Slater was arm length, arm length, arm length. And it's like, well, do you watch him? And does the lack of arm length affect how he protects the edge? And the yeah. answer was always like, no, but it might at the NFL level. And then he got to the NFL and the answer was still no. So what was Slater? Slater was six, what? four and a fourth, 304 pounds. And what was his arms? 32 and seven eighths. No, it was, yeah. 30, it was 33. He had 33. Coaches don't love that. I'll say it, but it didn't yeah. matter. It didn't matter. So the last thing I wrote, this, this guy's athleticism in the zone run game is just tremendous. It's yep. phenomenal. He's a great player. I'll say it. He's a great player. And 
a lot of great players just they have this injury bug that it, it can really change their draft process and i i am rooting so hard for this guy to have a full healthy season playing exactly how he played last year before he tore his acl because i think he's i think he's a top 40 pick if he does i really do um all right who do you have at number four Okay, so number four, zigzagging around a little bit I here. I know, but it's, I think it's good for conversation. So I think so, too. Patrick Paul was at four for me. Okay. The Houston tackle that is, he's kind of the classic, you know, dude with insane length. Um, let me pull his notes up right here. I got to watch a lot of him. Okay, Patrick Paul, 6'7", 308. Fifth-year yep. senior, already has been a team captain. If you recognize the name, his brother Chris was the Tulsa offensive lineman drafted in the seventh round in 2022 by the Commanders. Uh, he's already been a full season starter at left tackle for the program in, for two years, 2021 and 2022. First team all-conference both years. He missed uh, almost every game except the first two in 2020. He had a season-ending foot-ankle injury. I searched like crazy. I don't. I didn't like ask anyone around the program or anything, but I searched as much as I could. I have no idea what the injuries were. Just set foot and ankle everywhere. That could be a lot. That could be from a list Frank to a sprain. Uh, who the hell knows? Yeah. So, and he's played the full season the last two years. So he's fine. He He's interesting, Trevor. He moved from defensive line to offensive line his senior year of high school. So this dude's not like, I've been a tackle my whole life kind of guy. He, he really... I did not know that, but it's fascinating that you just told me that because one of the things that I have and the weaknesses of his game, so I don't have him on my top five. He is, he's, he's outside my top five. I have him seventh. Um, one of the major issues I have with him is he's six, seven. So there's a lot of lack of natural leverage but then i think there's also some inflexibility in how low he's able to get so playing defensive line i wonder if he was not really as comfortable as he needed to be in like a three-point stance hinging it probably because he's he is he's basically all two-point stance especially as an offensive tackle now so i wonder if that i wonder if that went into it i didn't know that background but that's interesting to learn here yeah, it, it really painted the full picture for me because this he as much as his resume doesn't sound like it until you get to that point. Like you hear two year starter at left tackle for Houston team captain. You listen to this guy speak in media days, and you're like, oh, he's like just a br- like a r- brilliant dude, uh, pr- like pros pro already. You forget he's a college kid. You think he's an eight year NFL vet when you get to hear him talk. He does a Dana Holgerson impression that is hilarious if you if you're on twitter just search it all you really have to do is search his name um an impression they'll probably come up patrick paul but the the negatives are i mean after all of that he's still a project he really is i wrote he needs to add mass to his lower half he's top heavy right now he's a top heavy dude everything every single thing feels a little unorthodox from his footwork to where his hands go mm-hmm. it, it gets the job done in that conference in in college football i'm not as you know bullish that that go that flies at the nfl level when the yeah. big dogs know how to counter and everything like this guy he he's kind of backyarding it a little bit because he's got arms down to the ground he's a good athlete for his size but 
it's you know and and the last bad thing before i get to the good it, when he's blocking on the move in outside zone he misses the strike zone a lot he, he's kind of out there and he's not comfortable he's just he you know he doesn't really fire into guys um you know consistently i think mm-hmm. i think that he misses the target a lot but when you get into the pros of why he's a project and and tackle four and i'll say this like for me my tackle tiers are i would have my top guy in his own tier number two and jordan morgan in their own tier mm-hmm. and then the third tier would be the projects patrick paul and jc latham they would be projects to me with a lot of upside he's got exceptional length it's inspector gadget arms out there i mean it really is and jim Nagy tweeted that his arms are 36 and 3 eighths so it you see it on tape and it sounds like it's it, that's the way it is with actual measurements adequate mover at that size he's just a hard human to get around right yeah. like how many dudes are six seven that size with arms that just three door frames right three door frames he's hard to get around he's he's bad he's battle tested this guy he he had some matchups with tyree wilson and I thought he got the better of the matchups. Like, there's one rep that Tyree was okay, like had a decent rep against him. But when you look at the full sample size, I was more impressed with what Patrick Paul was able to do. I so I watched the I, I definitely watched the Texas Tech game because I wanted to see how he did against Tyree Wilson. That was one of the things where I don't think he overwhelmingly like lost to Tyree Wilson or anything like that. I thought it was a pretty even matchup. But one of the things that I took away from it is again going back to the weaknesses. Lack of natural leverage will hurt him at the pro level. And then in parentheses, I have this example. He was letting six foot seven Tyree Wilson, who was standing in a two point stance, get up and under him consistently, which is like, if you're an offensive tackle and you see Tyree Wilson in a two point stance, you've got to think you can get under his pad level. And I, I did not see Paul do that once really. He's just, when he is upright, he just, he is, he's super upright. Like you mentioned, he's a little bit top heavy. So it's not like he's super comfortable sinking down into his hips when he's going through his kick slides because he's, he's got more weight up top. So that was, that was a tough part for me. Uh, I have the read and reaction time is a tick slow right now. So I think that whether they're attacking the inside or outside shoulder, if he is not anticipating it, which if he does, I will mention Nimble feet right. for a guy who's six foot seven. Like you, I, you I, yeah. that that part of his game is impressive. If he can anticipate where you are moving, he can mirror you a little bit for a six foot seven guy, which I thought was super impressive. But if he is not anticipating, that's just so much mass. It's so much of his frame that he is trying to move, and it just comes off as a tick slow when he's reading, reacting. I also said the hand placement's way too wide for him right now. I mean. He is, he gives up his chest way too easy. And I think he gives up his chest again, a little bit like JC Latham, where Latham doesn't have the same sort of problem, but in the same sense of the conversation that we were saying, where it's like, okay, guys don't normally push me back very far. I'm giant. I'm just not used to getting pushed back very far. And because of it, his hand targets, you can tell, are the shoulder pads. Like, he wants to take his giant wingspan, and he wants to engulf you, and he wants to grab the outside of your shoulder pads and make it so even if you get inside on him, even if your hands are inside on him, if he has your shoulder pads, your arms aren't going anywhere. They're not going to be able to break him off of his grip, and you can maybe try to keep bull rushing him, but again, this guy's six foot seven. so how, how far are you really going to get? 
that seems like a strategy right now. But at the NFL level, you're going up against guys that are a hell of a lot stronger than what Houston's facing on a daily basis. So if you keep swinging your hands out long, I think at the NFL level, you're going to get pushed around. And so that's that was kind of a fear of mine is, can he keep those hands inside? Can he keep those hands where he needs to with that aiming point? But I, I did... I certainly saw the allurement with Paul, but he was not, he was not somebody who, who made my top five. So, yeah, I th- also thought he had an edge to his game as a man blocker. Like I didn't like him in zone, but when they had him just kind of down block, I, I saw a, a, a different kind of fire light under him a little bit, maybe because it's just me versus you and yeah. you got to deal with me. So yeah, definitely one of the projects in this class along with Latham. But when you look at how NFL tackles are built, this is the kind of length the league likes. Who do you have at three? So I'm going to get to my three, but I got to shout out our friends over at DraftKings first. Okay, this I got to tell people this is the season where DraftKings is launching their largest best ball tournament in DK history. Right now, you can enter in DraftKings best ball tournament for a shot at over $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes. You make your entry uh, into the draft today. You sit back, you relax, you enjoy the NFL season without having to worry about managing your roster, any waiver wires, nothing. So again, if you're a fantasy football player and you just think that you own the draft, you got to listen up. This is for you to start playing best ball, download DraftKings and their app using the promo code PFF. Enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest, snake draft your team, For the entire season, each week you will automatically rack up points from all of your top scores. No ads, drops, trades, or, oh man, I should have played this guy instead of this guy. That that doesn't exist with this format. It's all about the draft. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. What are you guys waiting for? Head over to DraftKings app, sign up using the promo code PFF, and start playing best ball today. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament only on DraftKings with the promo code PFF. You got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with a $10 entry fee. Bonuses are issued as 10 DK dollars. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Voidware prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. All right, who do I have at number three? I have a guy who I don't think is on your list, but I hope it's because he's on your other list. I don't know. Where Graham Barton from Duke. Do you have him as a as a tackle or an interior offensive line? I think so. I don't have him. I watched him. I like him. I ultimately just don't know where he's gonna land. I my gut is he's a guard center. in the league, Connor. Yes, That's where I don't he's think he's land. a tackle. He's um, gonna land in the league. He's good. Good tape. Good tape. Definitely. I think he's going to be asked to kick inside. Probably. I won't write him off as a tackle yet. So I have him sort of on the Skaronsky path, right? Where a lot of us, the whole, no, 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 no. Not like, I'm just kidding. I don't think he's as good as Skaronsky. Player Um, comp. What I'm saying is he's better. (laughs) He's way better. He's going to make Skaronsky look like poop. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, So I think, Barton is going to be talked about like Skaronsky, where you don't exactly know where to play him offensive tackle or offensive guard. I like that we're on different sides of the fence here because you're looking at that like, all right, does that mean he might be too much of a tweener to stand out at one of those positions to have a starting spot in the NFL? And don't let me put words in your mouth. So if you don't think that, that's fine. I am on the side of the fence where it's like, I don't really care if he's a tackler or a guard at the end of the day. I think he's going to start at the NFL level. I just think he's a damn good offensive lineman. And that's the way that I saw Peter Skaronsky. So that's why I talk about them pretty similarly. So Graham Barton, Duke, senior, 
six foot five, 30th percentile, 306 pounds. Again, just like Morgan was. So that's the 24th percentile. He was a three-star offensive tackle recruit from the state of Tennessee. Um, oh, also lettered for two, for two seasons in high school in lacrosse. Played Good seven. Lad. Played six. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking it back. He's IOL one. Oh, uh, we switch it up from wrestling backgrounds to lacrosse backgrounds. IOL one. He might be tight end one by the end of the season. I read that he played seven sports growing up. Okay. Swimming. That's who has time for that. <laughs> Keep going. I need to Swimming, hear how we get to seven. Football. Lacrosse. I mentioned baseball, soccer, basketball, and gymnastics. If I ever talk to this guy, I got to understand what, how, what, what were we doing in gymnastics? Were you doing like a floor routine? Were you doing the three bar? Yeah, that's like, that's the one where I were you quit. doing the rings? What what I, were you doing out here? I also want to know how long he did the baseball and lacrosse dual sport because I did it one year. Yeah, one year I played lacrosse, um, which I guess they were both technically travel because it was still youth, but I, and then travel baseball. They're both in the spring, dude. I would go from one practice to the next in the same night. And after, after the year, I was like, my parents were like, because I wasn't driving yet. They were like, never again. Like, it's, <laughs> you're, like you're, this is, you're the age now where you have to choose one. You can play a sport every season. Yeah. But I, I, it is, I can't imagine, if this guy did it for more than a year, that is mind-blowing. Because it is, you're, you're, no matter how much energy you have as a kid, it is taxing beyond belief. I'm pretty sure, I'm sure. Then I'm I, couldn't pretty... I couldn't touch a curveball. And I was like, easy decision. I'll play lacrosse. <laughs> easiest decision in the world i'm actually glad you asked me to pick a sport because i'm done trying to even sniff a curveball i played baseball for so here's a funny story i played like t-ball obviously growing up and when we moved from years later when we moved from pitching machine to live pitching i was like all right i'm out i don't want to i um I'm done with baseball. I don't really when care. Kids are just getting hit all the time because nobody could throw a strike. Yeah, and it's I'm the just worst like, part I'm, of baseball. Like, right? The yeah, when you grow from the face of like, okay, let's let the 11 year olds pitch or whatever age it was. I don't remember. It's like this will be fun, and then yeah. you get hit like four times in a week, and you're like, this sucks. I hate yeah. it. So I was done. I didn't really care that much about baseball, but like, I'm. I'd, I'd like to think I'm coordinated enough to where, you know, like I've played intramural softball a ton and like, you know, throw the baseball around yeah. and all that stuff, like wiffle ball with the family, like all that kind of stuff. But um, <laughs> that was the last time I played baseball. And then when I was a sophomore, no, I was a freshman in high school. We had 20 something kids on our varsity baseball team. And 12 of them received D's or F's in their final report cards of the semester and were ineligible to play the sport the following semester because they failed classes. And you're not allowed to participate in sports the semester after you fail a class. So we had 12 kids from the baseball team become ineligible. So the coach Insane. basically calling anybody. And I went to a small high school anyways. We had like right. – 200 300 kids i don't remember they went to the high school and so he's called basically anybody who's played any other sport for the school and so i played baseball that one year and i did not get a hit varsity as a ninth grader yes nightmare fuel dude i was these pitchers were making me look like i 
I had never opened my eyes a day in my life. Like I was trying to play, like I was trying to hit a pinata blindfolded. That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> That's easier. <laughs> With some of these bitches. So anyways, that, uh, Graham, Graham Barton. really funny, like a really funny thing to happen that you like, you like played a season of varsity baseball as a ninth grader. Yeah. Really because so many other people were ineligible and you were right. like, okay. I, and to relate to you, I, I have one year filled in on a travel team that was at least two or three years age above me uh -huh. because it was like they needed one extra player and they knew I would do it. I'm like half the size because it's one of those weird age differences. Dude, I swear, like I probably had like nine at bats. I think eight of them, I just tried to bunt. Like I just tried to drag a bunt down because I couldn't sniff what these kids were throwing three years older than me, like you. I just, <laughs> I, I just gave, I'm like, and I, it worked like once. I got like a drag bunt hit and I was like, Season's complete. I'm one good. practice, uh, one practice, we were doing like the sign memorization, right? So like the the um I mean what would be manager, but he, he's a coach at the high school level. Like he'd do the signs, you know, like he tapped the nose, the chest, yeah. the shoulders, the ears, the what the mouth, or whatever. And he just like do it very subtly. And we're doing it throughout practice. And if he called upon you and and he you he did this, he did the sequence, and you couldn't tell what that command was like are you bunting are you swinging away like are you taking the pitch like what are you doing if you couldn't tell him you had to go run i i was i think oh for seven Dude. on and be like coach this isn't even my fucking sport you called, me. <laughs> you called me you don't get to treat me like a real baseball player no shot now that i'm thinking about it it wasn't it actually it wasn't the full season because I'm like, I didn't play a full season because I didn't get that many at bats. Like we, I probably only played like 10 games or something, but it was it was it brutal. sounds like hell to be it's honest horrendous. with you. Like I'm thinking of a sport that I didn't do and being asked to do that. And I'm in ninth grade against 11th and 12th graders. It was like asking me to join the swim team if I couldn't swim. <laughs> That's you're, how I felt. you're the only kid with swimmies on doing, <laughs> the, doing the backstroke with swimmies on. Somebody give me swimmies, swim, but we didn't have any. <laughs> Somebody give me swimmies for the batter's box, brother. They should have brought out a tea for you. Oh man, that's uh, that's a wild story. I'm glad we got that one out of you. That's it's really insane, insane. So Graham, Graham Barton, Barton, of course, and he, an easy tr transition back into Graham Barton, um, who I, you know, I, we talk about asking him questions. I believe uh, Max Chadwick did an interview with him over at PFF.com. If you want to listen to his background and everything, because he seems like an awesome dude. So go check it out over at PFF.com. Some PFF stats about the, uh, the Duke offensive tackle, 90.7 overall grade in 2022, 86.1 uh, pass blocking grade, 87.1 run blocking grade, only allowed two sacks on 475. Uh, pass blocking snaps two highest run blocking grades came from both inside and outside zone calls um also played 435 snaps at center his true freshman season so anybody who wants to project him inside he's got a little bit of uh experience there on the interior love this dude's mentality man i mean I, you will notice a trend when we get to interior offensive line as well. I'm prioritizing guys who I think can just like have some strength and be mean cusses on the offensive line. And this dude has the ability to do it. I think his grip strength is fantastic when he gets his hands where he wants them. I mean, it's, it's over. And what I also really appreciated with him is 
you can tell that some offensive linemen are being taught different hand aiming points. Some of them think that just inside leverage is, is king. Like get get both of those hands uh, underneath the armpits of the defenders and you've got them completely controlled, you know, solidify your grip on them and they're not going to be able to get you off of them. That's the place you want to be. There's another camp or another way to look at it where especially if you're playing offensive tackle for anybody out there that hasn't yet i would recommend go watching joe thomas's nfl films a little short that they have on youtube with uh with baldy with brian baldinger and he talks about hand placement and joe thomas talks about how he doesn't necessarily want to get both of his hands on the inside because that leaves him susceptible for the hands to be free from the defenders. And he actually thought it had a little bit less control, especially when guys were trying to attack his outside shoulder. So what he would do is he would have his inside hand. So think about it. The, 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 the rusher is going to his outside. So let's say his left shoulder. So he would have his inside hand. So his right hand, the aiming point would be the defender's bicep. So his hand would hit the bicep and then it would naturally move up the arm underneath the shoulder pad to where he could grip the shoulder pad. And then the other hand would go on the opposite peck of the defender. So if you think about it, you visualize that and you go watch the video, you will see then that he has total control of that defender if he is able to get his hands like that. Because both of his hands at that point are going to be pronated. So if it's an underhand grip, it's pronated. If it is an overhand grip, it is supinated. And when you can have both of your hands like that, one under the shoulder pad and then one on the pet, think about the major muscle groups that then you can call upon. Because with your left hand, you can call upon your lats, your the middle of your back, your traps, everything to pull those guys that way. And with your other hand, you can not only do the same thing with some of your like triceps and your back and everything, but you could also push on them with your entire chest. So you can then turn them to get them off balance. And then boom, you continue to have control on them. So that is something, bringing it back to Barton, that he did consistently. That he was a, that, that aiming point of his hands are just of the Joe Thomas school of where to do it, and and he just did that so consistently. I thought the grip straight was fantastic when he was able to get guys in that, um, basically in his mitts, if you will. I thought he had great movement skills. The way the I felt like he was elite as a pulling guard. He had like a ninety one point six run blocking grade when they used him as a puller, which just showed he is great. He can really move out he can in really space. Move. Nice athlete for his size. The weaknesses with him, the kick slide doesn't cover as much ground as it should uh, because his strides are shorter, because he just doesn't have as much length. And his arm length might not be what you want for the offensive tackle level. Those are both the weaknesses that I said about Peter Skaronsky. But there's so much to like about his game around the measurable deficiencies. Uh, I think, as I mentioned with the hand placement, he's somebody who really takes the craft of playing offensive line to heart. Um He's really strong again once he gets his hands exactly where they want them. I think the footwork is great. The mobility ability is great. The flexibility, the balance, all that stuff is there for him. Plus the mentality. You know, this is somebody who wants to bury you every time he gets you, um, every time he gets you between the shoulders. So I like Barton a lot. Uh, I'm going to try him at tackle at the offensive or at the NFL level uh, and see if he can make it there because I feel, I feel like he would have the ability to do that. And if not, I think he got a damn good interior offensive lineman. So he landed a tackle three for you? Yep. Tackle three. Okay. 
So that takes us to, I think we're going to have the same one and two yep. for this. And that, so number two uh, for me, Joe Alt from Notre Dame and someone same. who I also, I'm, I have, I have Alt the two. Yeah. A player that I think a lot of people are very familiar with. He's kind of stepped into number one. He's massive. He's six foot eight, three eighteen. So that it's got like, I don't think he's this player, but you're going to just see the instant ties to Mike McGlinchey because McGlinchey was that hulking tackle for Notre Dame with insane, insane height and length. Um, and with all, he's somebody that wasn't this mega super recruit, but he came in and started eight games as a freshman in 2021. And then he started all 13 games in 2022 where he didn't surrender a, a sack in 2022. I thought his lower half really stays working with his upper half to sustain blocks. And when you're that tall, that's really important, right? Because you, you got a lot going on and a lot of different um, length to kind of stay in sync. And the fact that his lower half is in sync with that upper half helps him maximize the size that he has that is a calling card for him. I thought he was entirely unfazed by the power rush attempts of Miles Murphy. When you watch him against Clemson, Murphy kept trying to... I, Murphy, it's odd to me. Murphy looked at him and was like, yeah, I'll just outpower you every time and it, it really never worked which i'll say this it might say more about miles murphy in a way that is concerning is it right say, trevor i see your that, eyes kind of lighten up well that was kind of that was kind of murphy's thing right when we talked about him last year it's like all right this guy's got a ton of physical gifts but he basically just runs straight at you right now he doesn't really have a pass work against plan. joe Alt. right yeah i mean that's basically all miles murphy was trying to do is convert speed to power so I thought he has a pushback dry blocking strength off the line of scrimmage in the run game. And it, with these guys, it was, you watch him and a lot of these guys and it's like, okay, he's a good pass protector or okay. He's got raw strength and power as a run blocker, but maybe as a drive blocker, a down blocker, or maybe as a puller or, or maybe inside zone, this dude, when you, when you see him in the run game and the, I think they're working hand in hand, his ability in pass pro and his ability as a run blocking player uh, and I really like that about him. Excellent length and movement for reach blocks at all levels. He's a mo inside zone monster. I mean, they run plenty of inside zone and he's mm -hmm. just phenomenal getting to his spots. And it, it cause it kind of has that balance where you're not asking him to cover 10 yards of ground, but you are asking him to get out of the gate and move, which he's good at, but you also are keeping him in a tight enough area that he can unlock some of that power and not over strike or under strike. It, the last thing, I mean, he can get out of the gate and run when asked to pull. You, mm -hmm. you see those strides, those long legs really go. This dude covers ground. I I mean, the only two things I wrote about Joe Walt where I'm like, okay, I'll be watching these. I think he's still fighting the leverage battle because he's so damn tall. There's times where the leverage battle is still a war for him. We had that conversation with Joe Titman a lot, a rare six feet, six inch tall center. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Walt, probably a true six foot eight. He has that battle sometimes to tackle. And I think hand placement was the rare vulnerabil vulnerability for him in pass pro. There was times where the hand placement was off and you start to see that body kind of get driven back and upright. And yeah. he's just so damn big and strong that it didn't necessarily like blow up the play, but it's like, okay, what is that going to look like against, you know, Nick Bosa or whoever right. it is. Um, I, I liked him a lot, Trevor. I, I didn't come away and look at him and be like, oh, bona fide top 10 pick. It, mm -hmm. it wasn't that, but I, I looked at Joe Walton and said he's got a real good shot to be a first rounder, and and he's a real nice rounded player with a lot to work with. Yeah, we see him very similarly. Uh, the two weaknesses that I had that kind of like stood out when I was watching him is um, his initial kick slides. They don't, they actually don't cover as much ground as I thought that they were going to. Like he just doesn't have almost like that kind of flexibility in his groin to like really just like stretch his legs out. But he's six foot eight, so it kind of 
doesn't matter nearly right. as much. Like if you see guys who are six foot three, who have tight, might have like tight groin muscles where kick sliding and stretching your legs out just doesn't go as far as it does for other players. That's a big deal because your stride length and the distance between your feet is just less because you're six foot three for Joe, all these six foot eight. So it doesn't matter as much, but I did kind of notice that. And then something else that I noted that you just talked about body actually appears light, but I know it's not light. Like I know that he has a lot of weight to him, 318, but it appears light because he doesn't anchor as quickly as you want him to. I think he anchors eventually just because he's big, strong, and he's a good offensive lineman. But you mentioned it's that lack of leverage being six foot eight, where the goal when you are anchoring is you want to have your hands inside. You want to come a little low. And as a guy is pushing you, you want to physically lift his power up. That's what the point of leverage is. So you are getting your hands inside and as they're coming at you, you want to take all their power. Instead of allowing their power to come straight through your chest, you just want to get low, angle it up. So their power is just going upwards. So then you're not moving any further backwards. It's tough for all to do that just because he's six foot eight. But you mentioned, man, I think he's a really good athlete for a player who's six foot eight. I actually think he's pretty dang flexible when it comes to sitting in a three-point stance because often, you know, like we talked about with uh, with Patrick Paul, sometimes when you're that tall, it's just really hard to sit. Like, it's just really hard to get your hand down in a three-point stance, get your hand in the dirt, and actually get your hips all the way down. Joe All, I think, does a really nice job of that. I think he's got a good wide base to him as well. So um, really nimble feet, again, for a player who's six foot eight, but... I liked Alt as well. I saw first round caliber type of player. I saw Jordan Reed, a uh, friend of the show, ESPN draft analyst, say Brian O'Neill as a potential uh, comp for body type for for Joe Alt, and I actually like that a lot because Brian O'Neill kind of came into the league as a big, tall, um, high ceiling athlete type of offensive tackle prospect, and it took him a little bit to truly become that pro caliber offensive tackle when it came to the grip strength, uh, mastering the leverage, just having the overall strength to be able to anchor as well as have plus movement skills. And I think that might be the path for Alt. He might not be able to step in right away at the NFL level and just immediately thrive. It might take him a little bit, but I think that that, uh, that ceiling is there for him. So that leaves, I would assume, Olu Fashanu, from Penn State as both of our offensive tackle ones. Am I correct? You are correct. And I, I want you to take this one away because I got to I got to lead with all. Um, and I think it's fair that you get to start with Fashanu, who you and I have talked about on this show. If he declared last year, it was probably a bona fide top 10 selection. And he it was one of the bigger shocks when he went back to school. But for Penn State fans, he's, I agree with you. It was definitely a shock, but he like also redshirt. He's not played a lot of college football. If, if he declares last year, he doesn't go one to the Panthers. He doesn't go two to the Texans. Who Arizona had three. We probably go to Arizona. They sit, they sit there and take him. Yeah. Or they can get so much for someone to come up for him. Yeah. Probably would have gone. Yeah. He probably would have gone top five. So, uh, Olo Fushano from uh, Penn State is going to be a redshirt junior this upcoming season, six foot six, which is in the 61st percentile, and uh, 319 pounds, 68th percentile. So, both of those above the uh, 50th percentile, which is good, which is a three star prospect from Washington, D.C., coming out of high school. Um, did not play in his first year at Penn State in 2020. So, he fully redshirted there, played nine games in 2021. Um, then he came back uh, and, and played once again in 2022. 
missed the rest of the season due to a oh, what was his what was his injury? Shoot, I just have it as a as an injury designation. I can't remember what he hurt. An- another one that I looked up. Yeah, and I didn't get specifics on. Mm. In college, I didn't realize college injuries are like hockey injuries these days. Yeah, lower body, just have no idea. Dude, I once again like googling, googling, looking on everything. Yeah, I have an exact quote. James Franklin did not reveal exactly what the injury was. All right, there we go. He received the first round grade. Penn State fans, uh, no. <laughs> Honestly, sometimes college fans know because yeah, somebody hit us. Forms up. are a hell of a drug. Yeah, he had a first round grade last year coming out from the NFL Draft Advisory Board. Yes, parents um, kept it, right? Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, I they, love that. Really cool. Which is super cool. His birthday is in December, by the way, and he will be 21 years old this upcoming December. So he, he will be 21 uh, on draft night of next year's draft. Zero sacks allowed on 299 true pass blocking snaps last season. Pressure percentage of just 3%. I will note uh, run blocking grade of 59.4, and we kind of get into that with the strengths and weaknesses, but... This kid's so damn good <laughs> for uh for Gifted. a player who is six foot six, 320 pounds. I mean, they just don't move like old Shana does. Um, the foot fires off the snap, man. Whether it is a 45 degree angle kick slide, whether it's a total vertical kick slide, and he's going up against a, a super wide edge rusher, whatever, he is in his stance and he fires to cover so much ground in his kick slide and he does it with great balance great coordination and that just is is the framework of a phenomenal pass rusher somebody whose feet move that quickly who stays that balanced um and who's able to cover that much ground right off of the snap eyes are always active i mean he's even looking before the snap this is something that i noted from all the games i watched of him you you see him in the pre-snap not only is he communicating when he thinks it's important, but like he will look at the guy who he believes is coming at him, but then you will see his head turn and he will look at the linebackers. He will look at the player who's next to him and he will go, okay, do I need to, is all of my focus on the guy who's right in front of me to my left, who's trying to come to my outside shoulder, or do I have to worry about him? But also if the linebacker is going to loop around, is that my responsibility as well? You could just tell that he's got an eye for where pressure is coming from. Uh, I mentioned the flexibility, the footwork, uh, easy mover, getting to the second level as well. I think that if you use him as a puller, which you don't often use as tackles, but if you're using him as a puller, you're plenty happy with the ground he's able to cover. He's such an athlete for a player who is um, of his size. couple weaknesses to his game. Felt like the hands were a little bit low before contact. I feel like his hands were, were – he was just holding them a little bit low, which is okay. It's not the worst thing in the world because I noted that – they're low because he likes to scoop. Like he, he, that's kind of his style almost. That's like almost his technique. He likes to scoop his hands up to the inner parts of, of, of where pass rushers are coming at him and trying to get to their chest from underneath them, which helps for natural leverage. Sometimes it can expose his chest a little bit. And I saw that, but it's, it's, it's more of a preference thing than, really anything else because again going back to that joe thomas film breakdown thomas talks about that he talks about using his hands to get underneath the armpit and kind of like scooping these guys up and it allows him to continue to remember how leverage works especially for a guy who's six foot six it's important to remember that so that's something to note there this is the biggest area of his game that i want to see improvement from i didn't see that mean streak as a run blocker He's a finesse player right now, and it makes for a beautiful pass protector. 
but he will get outmaneuvered and sometimes overpowered even by linebackers. And it shouldn't be the case. He's too big, and I know he's too good of an offensive lineman for that to be the case. I want to see that mean streak as a run blocker. And that's what I'm really hoping that we see this upcoming year. Uh, my Spark Notes version for him, or my, just my little Spark Notes for him before I turn it over to you, Connor. Fashanu could have declared last year and been a first round pick in 2020 easy. His movement skills for his size are incredibly impressive. Foot speed and body body control, balance, recovery, all of them are starting NFL caliber. Uh, he is not as imposing as a run blocker as he could be, but power can be taught. I just need that mentality to kind of flip the switch with him. Uh, he's also incredibly smart. He's always aware of his surroundings, and he is a technician when it comes to where his hands are going. He understands the teamwork and chemistry element of playing offensive line. He will absolutely compete for a top 10 selection this upcoming draft. Yeah, man. I mean, he's he's almost the prototype, right? I, I wrote down, I was looking at you know, just his body type and some of the gifts he has in pass pro. And you think all the way back to when Jake long was a top pick for the dolphins and just how this guy comes out. And it's just, this is exactly what you want of your tackles. Yeah. In terms of the build, the athleticism, I thought he dictates the reps in pass pro. He's so explosive off the snap. It's like he, he has a head start in every rep. That's when a you're really that explosive. Great way to look at it. He's got a head start and it's, it's not cheating. It's not, you know, being penalized. It's just gifts, the feet and lateral quickness to mirror against speed teammates rave about his IQ and recognition ability. That you, is, I you think see Juice, it, man, you see, yeah, it. I think juice Scruggs is on the record center drafted pretty early last year uh, of just raving about Fashanu being able to diagnose what's coming. And that for a young player without a lot of experience to do that on the offensive line, it's really, really special. He can recover with agility, strength, and length when it's counterattack time. He's got every every card in the pocket, right? If it's I need to counter with strength, I could I could hold the point of attack. If I need my length, I can get that out. If I need to be agile, because this guy's got speed, I have that too. Didn't surrender a sack. I think you said that, Trevor. Mm -hmm. Um there are flashes of striking power in the run game. Flashes. But it's it's just not it's not dialed up enough and if if he finds that you you have a i i need prototype prospect i need patches O'Houlihan to go up to him like in the movie dodgeball and just go up to the guy who wears the goggles and says like i need you to get mean you know yep i need you to get angry that's what i want to see out of olu fashano because then he can take over a dodgeball game and he can take over a drive as an offensive tackle 100 percent it's yeah, I wrote in the in the negatives, just the killer instinct in the run game is just not dialed up yet consistently. Mm -hmm. I think he could generate more lower body power as a drive blocker. It's that's just getting stronger. Um, you know, before we close the book on the tackles, I, the story on the uh, on him from the athletic from Audrey Snyder, the beginning is just phenomenal to sum it up. You know, the football coaches were just watching him play basketball and they were just bugging the hell out of his father to play football and his father basically just like stopped answering the phone and stopped answering them. And then, um, his first day, I believe this is of high school. Mm -hmm. His dad goes, I dropped him off in the morning at the end of the day around four o'clock. I called him and said, okay, I'm coming to pick you up. He said, no dad, I can't go early in the morning. When I went to class, coach came in and handed me all this football gear. And Anthony laughs and says, it's his dad. That's how Olu's football career started. 
So it was just, he, he couldn't escape it. He was basketball. His dad was all about that. They weren't really about football. And then they got him to play and the rest is history. I mean, he, he was, that's the kid was late to the sport. He was a three-star recruit and now he's a bona fide top pick. So, um, it's, it's awesome. He's awesome. His family seems awesome. He's smart. He's gifted. If he continues to get even an ounce better, he'll be as high as you can grade a prospect on the tackle position, I think, or mm-hmm. close to it. Uh, anybody else for tackles that you want to shout out before we move to interior offensive linemen? I got at least one that I definitely yeah, want to shout I'll out. Throw, I'll throw one out there quick. Okay. Um, Brandon Coleman from TCU. Okay. I know he, w- he was on the fence about declaring last year. He ends up going back to school. The numbers in terms of what he gave up in pass pro aren't the prettiest, but when you watch him in the natty against Georgia, he had a really, really good game. He's got really, really uh, a really strong anchor with the lower mass that he has. He's played guard and tackle. He, I think he's going to be a top 65 pick. Okay. All right. I wanted to shout out uh, Amarius Mims, the right tackle from Georgia. Uh, Roderick Jones obviously got a lot of the hype last year, but Mims himself, a five-star offensive tackle prospect who is starting to figure it out. And I think a lot of the positives that you had for um, Patrick Paul, those exist with Mims, but they exist with SEC competition, SEC tape, SEC athleticism. He is Mims is six foot seven, 330 pounds. So Paul was six foot seven, 308. So he's even bigger than Paul is. And I think Mims is more flexible. I think he's more balanced. I think he's faster. Like, I think he's a better athlete overall. So there's a five-star that went to Georgia. Good chance. Yeah. So I think that like Mims is somebody who could have a huge jump of a year because of what I saw last year. There's, there's a lot of, right. I mean, like there's a lot of, um, a lot of some, some inconsistencies with him, but Man, when you talk about Ball of Clay, guy that you want to bet on, Mims is somebody that you absolutely want to bet on. Uh, Before we get to offensive line, got to talk to the good people about what Manscaped is calling smooth sack summer. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure that you're skate from pubes to bum. That's right. This is the summer to keep your balls cool. Playing while, naked outside? What's while still looking? Look, I don't judge people. I don't know. I mean, don't do it around kids, obviously. No. But actually, you know what? Don't do it at all. No. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you can do it in your house, though. That's fine with me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The property. leaders in below the waist grooming are making sure that we all have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. You can dive in head first to smooth sack summer by going over to manscaped.com uh, for 20% off and free shipment if you use the promo code PFF. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything that you need to prepare that summer body. They uh, built the ultimate grooming tool for your summer, uh, the Lawnmower 4.0. It includes cutting-edge ceramic break, blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. It also has a 7,000 RPM motor to it, a new multi-function on-off switch that can engage in a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn on 4,000 LED spotlight when you need a more precise shave. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts as well to their performance package, uh, the boxers and the shed travel bag, which Connor has uh, said that he actually has. I use it. Yeah, it's phenomenal. There you go. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code PFF 
and manscaped.com. There's 20% off and free shipping using the promo code PFF at manscaped.com. It is smooth sack summer, boys. Time to get on board or get left behind. I, I can't believe that RPM was snuck in there. Like we're doing we're yeah, doing dude. revolutions per minute for a, for a ball trimmer. Dude. Unreal. It just, go, it just goes to show you the type of power and technology that we're talking about with Manscaped. Yes. Yes. Full throttle. That's why they're the leader, folks. That's why they're the leader. So for interior offensive line, because I think that our conversations are going to be so different here. So quick. <laughs> Come on. What? I said, I was so fast. Keep going. What do you want me uh, to do? No, you're doing great. You honestly are doing great. I'm the child. It's me. I got to get back into work mode real bad. Summer's been too long. Smooth uh, sack summer's been too it, long. It, it has. Playing outside naked. <laughs> they didn't condone that, by the way. That was not in the okay. script. That was uh, okay. Just, you went just so everybody out there knows. Um, I figured the better way to do this is probably for us to give our top five interior offensive line and have and a conversation yeah. and have the conversation about uh, about whichever one we want to. So you want to go first? You want to just do your five? Yeah. So you know, as people know, when we get to the final. Uh, Final process, and Trevor, I know you're going to do the same thing. We rank guards and centers, but this time of year, we're going to do the interior offensive line together. And it's actually, in a way, maybe more effective this year because, God, there are a lot of guys that might be switching positions or playing both through the all-star circuit. It's very interesting, this group, more so than ever. Here are my five. Um, my number five for me was a center I really, really like, and that's Cedric Van Pran from Georgia, who, Ooh. you know, two-time national champ, two-year starter, really good player, really good player. Um, could not leave him out of the top five, and mm. honestly, he could have slid anywhere, in my opinion, from five to two, maybe. Number four, um, is it is it Javion Cohen? Yes. Javion Cohen. Who me and you were texting a lot about Cohen. He he's fascinating because he had he made maybe some of the biggest improvements in the country in pass pro from 2021 to 2022 for Alabama, and now he transfers to Miami. So yeah. great for Miami, but I I thought this dude could have been a really important piece for Alabama right. this year. I know you felt the same, Trevor. See, he was number four for me. He's a guard. So Van Pran, the center from the from Georgia, Cohen the guard from Alabama that will play for Miami this year. Number three for me, Zach Frazier, the center from West Virginia. Uh, maybe my favorite surprise of, you know, who I got to watch. I, I, not that I had massive or low expectations. He just, he was great. He's a really talented player, a true center. Cooper Beebe was number two for me. We talked so much about him last summer. We He was very highly regarded for us in last summer's summer scouting show. The exact quote from us, and you're going to hear it again, was... I've seen what I needed to see at this level. I wish I got to see him challenged at a higher level more mm -hmm. often because he almost, it's almost boring. Mm -hmm. Number one for me, uh, Troy Fontenot from Washington. That he, he's a tackle oh, right now. Wow. You got him that high. Yeah. Nice. He's, he's a, I'm, I am assuming he's going to play guard at the next level. That's what a yeah. lot of the, the rumbling is. He's a tackle at college, but he's a phenomenal football player, a phenomenal football player. And my number one interior offensive lineman going into the year. Okay. And yeah. That, wow. your, your reaction is probably how a lot of people will feel. I, I, but when you turn on the tape from last year, it's that dude's got it all when you, it, cause you go through his deficiencies and you're like, okay, all of his deficiencies will be completely eliminated. I think from a move inside, but it's the classic 
we're in the pack. We need a tackle. He's going to play tackle for us right now. So I don't totally agree, but I do like Fontenot a lot. Uh, like I, I have him at five. So he's, he was five for me. I went back and forth between him and Zach Zinter from Michigan. And they're kind of two different players. Um, Zinter's got a lot of power. I just think he's a really solid overall player. Right. And um, that group is great. The Michigan group. I know. Yeah. And, and he just like, he is somebody who the game comes very easy to him. I think he's got started starting caliber traits at the NFL level. I don't know if he's ever going to be this like blow you away focal point of an no, interior offensive line at the league, but like, he'll be a starter player, I think. So, um, super, what'd you say? Steady Eddie. Yeah, that's what I thought. But it, so I, I went back and forth with him at five and six. Um, Steady Zinter no, didn't land. I, no, I don't, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that works. Um, but Fountainu from Washington, I have him at five, and I agree. His he is so alluring. I'm a little worried about him because he's listed at six foot three and a half. 219 and 319 sorry 319 of course he was probably 219 in fifth grade i would i would indeed be worried if he was 219 so he's 319 and when i look at his frame the when i look at his frame versus his game i still think that he needs to get stronger i still think that he needs to be more of a people mover to be a full-time interior offensive lineman and i don't know how much more weight he's gonna put on than 320 but maybe he's listed at 320 and he played lighter last year i don't know i just i you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna find a theme in my rankings here i am heavily weighing interior offensive line towards strength and power because i just didn't see a lot of it with a lot of these players and Troy is one of those dudes who I think he's a really great mover. I love his mentality. He is just a, he is a, a lightning bolt, a fire bug, like whatever you want to call it. Like he is just a spark plug in that offensive line. Yeah. And he has so much energy for it. He has so much passion for it. I love his mentality. I just don't want him to get pushed around in the middle. Like, I think that you've got to, he can't play offensive tackle because he does not have the reach. He just he Dude, does not no, have the length to play offensive attack. Protect the edge. He will not be able to play it at the NFL level. But I think that he's good enough of an offensive lineman to play somewhere. How much more weight can you throw on him? How much stronger can he get? Because if you tell me he can get stronger, I'm a lot closer to where you have him at number one than where I have currently have him at number five. Because I like him a lot, but that's why I have him at number five. So this is again, we're we're flipping everything on our head. You had um Faltenu at one and you had BB at two, right? So you had BB at four? I had BB at four. Yeah. And Cooper BB, kind of the way that we looked at him last year. Super wide base, really nice footwork, can mirror and match with guys in front of him. I just didn't think he played with a lot of power. And I did not think he went up against a lot of power while playing in the Big 12. Now, I will say this. I don't want to take this away from him. The Alabama game, which I I went to watch specifically for this reason, he was up to the challenge. He played well. I still didn't see him like moving dudes because he is more of a he's more of a master of angles. Like he will position his body exactly the way it needs to be positioned to where even if he's not moving you off a spot, he's making it real annoying for you to get around him. And chances are the running back's probably going to have enough time to just run up the gap wherever it is. So he's more of a guy who understands angles. Uh, he's more of a geometry guy then he is somebody who's just going to physically dominate you. 
But I wondered if the physical profile is going to be something that really holds him back from being successful at the NFL level. His testing's, his testing's massive. I'll say it right now. Yo, yeah, because he has to test really, really well. Um, Christian Mahogany for Boston College is three for me. Dude, I freaking love him. And the uh, he's, he's guard four for me. Okay. So guard three made the list in Cohen. So he'd probably be IOL six. Okay. Uh, I mean, without the injury last year, I thought he was, I thought last summer he was on his way to being a top 60 pick. Yeah. So he tore his ACL in a home workout, unfortunately, before last season. So we haven't seen him play football since 2021, but that 2021 film is nice. He's six foot six, 333 pounds. Both of those numbers are in the 93rd percentile for interior offensive linemen. This dude moves people like I think he's got a lot of power to his game, and I could even tell you that he could even pack more of a punch to it if he had a little bit more of a, again, like I I feel dumb saying that these guys don't have mean streaks. They play in the trenches, and they and they right. get their bodies beat up, and they're displacing guys all the time. But, like, I like Mahogany so much, I think that he's got even more room to be a massive people mover and a power player. So I love the power ability to him. He aces the off-the-bus test with the, with the, with the height and the weight. Got great anchor ability, especially when it comes to guys who are coming from the second level, linebackers. He neutralizes those immediately. He's super attentive to where pressure is coming. Um, I just he's, he's a little late to pressure as it's arriving. I'm kind of reading over my strengths and weaknesses of him now, but that's what you're going to get with a player who is of his size. I'll take the power profile over that any day. Um, JV on Cohen from Alabama, now at Miami. I have him at number two. This is also a player who I absolutely love. Former four-star, spent the first three seasons at Alabama, um, started Alabama all of last season. This dude was, if you watch a game of Javion Cohen, you want to see what he could do, turn on the Tennessee game. It's like every single player, every single box defender on the Tennessee roster insulted his family personally. And he took that to heart. There is one rep, that was so good, I sent it to Connor a couple of days ago. Didn't care it's if it sad. swayed his thought on Javian Cohen. No, I'm glad you did. Cohen displaces three pass rushers in one play, including burying the late dog blitzing linebacker to the ground when he gets him in between his shoulders. He sh he completely displaces the guy who's immediately in his zone at the snap. There is then a crashing linebacker that is, or a crashing defensive end that's coming his way that he shoves all the way across the line and neutralizes him. And he does all of that fast enough and powerful enough to then catch the incoming linebacker, get him in between his shoulders and throw him on the ground. That's the mentality. That's the speed. That's the power that we're talking about. Dog with, meter. The dog meter is off the charts with Javian Cohen. So I really hope that we see another year as good as what we saw last year from Cohen because to read the to read my little spark notes of him, Cohen brings a physical mentality that is absolutely necessary for playing the position at a high level at the NFL. He consistently is looking to dominate the point of attack early and often. At times, that aggression, aggressive nature can get him in trouble a bit, but I'd much rather have to coach that down, especially for how well he moves at six foot four, 340 pounds. So move super well, punishing mentality. Absolutely loved it. My number one is Cedric Van Pran from Georgia. He is the center that has played on Georgia's national championship winning offensive lines over the last two seasons. Six foot four, 310 pounds. It's both in the 53rd percentile, both of those. Again, 
this is a player who I gravitated toward because he just punched you in the mouth because he's not afraid to get physical with you. And he absolutely wins more of those matchups than he loses. He's got a strong wide base. He can neutralize all sorts of bull rushes that are coming, whether it's head up, whether it's a shade on his shoulders, whether it's a late blitz coming up the middle. I mean, he's able to just stonewall. Yeah. Love the grip strength as well with centers, especially when you hike that ball, good chance you're getting hands on somebody pretty early. And when he gets hands on somebody, he ain't letting go. He's got yep. vice grip hands, which are that's a that is a power characteristic that I really, really love. Weakness of his game. You can tell like he's working hard to run when he's asked to pull. He just doesn't, he's just he just doesn't move super fast. Yes, he's I agree. He's just a power player. But it's funny because yep. like he'll snap the ball and you'll see the legs and the arms they're churning. Like he's trying to get to the spot. He's trying to cut off the Dude, defender. he plays so hard. He does. He plays he's... so damn hard. He had he had a uh a pancake block at the second level. I forget who it was against. Probably Oregon. Mm-hmm. And like he finishes the block and he looks at the sideline and he started headbanging. It's <laughs> on the all 22 tape. And I was like, I love this man. See, He's awesome. That is that is interior line play yep. for me. Um, spark notes for him. Van Pran is a very powerful interior player. He thrives in man and gap schemes where he is able to be one on one in a phone booth or uh, when participating in duo blocks. He's not unathletic but movement in space and zone blocking won't be his best strength. Uh, his competitive toughness, his fight within him will give him uh, the potential to be a starter at the NFL level at either guard or center. So the five for me, um, we've got two more. We've got two finesse players at five and four with uh Fountainu and, and Cooper BB and then three, two, one for me, it was just the players that showed the ability to play with power because that is such a necessary part of playing on the interior specifically at the NFL level. And, you know, we can discuss these five guys and we can discuss some of the guys that weren't in our top fives as well, but I, it was, that was not a guarantee. It just was not a guarantee in that class. I I watched uh, 10 of these interior offensive linemen and for a good portion of them, a lot of them are these, these finesse players that are, really good on the move, really good in open space, and it's fine. But when it comes to anchoring and when it comes to displacing the guys in front of them when you're running up the A or the B gap, I just didn't see a ton of that. And those three players, Mahogany, Cohen, and Van Pran, I know those guys can do it. And I know that that is, what's, that is a baseline of what you have to do to get on the field at the NFL level. So that's why I had my five uh, the way that I did. I like it. The one guy I would I would add in that I'll talk about is Zach Frazier from West Virginia, the fourth year. I, I didn't get to watch him. I didn't get he, to watch him, so I got to watch him. He fits a lot of what you like. I mean, 33 career starts. He started nine games at left guard in 2020, 25 total starts at center from 2021 to 2022, four-time high school state champion wrestler. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, You already know. So unique unique amount of college experience along the interior of the offensive line for a player going into his fourth year. I thought he had to do a lot of heavy lifting. I thought the guard play next to him in pass pro, it just felt like he had to make up for a lot of lapses sometimes there, Mm -hmm. even strength from head to toe, which, you know, wrestling background, nothing really surprises you there. Just even strength from head to toe. He's very square when blocking, very balanced when blocking plus peripheral vision, Iron Man kind of guy, just always yeah. out there, can play all three interior spots. And here's the thing, Trevor, to your point, played up to top competition such as Siaki Ika and Kalaja Kansi. When That's I saw that, I'm like, great, 
cool. Signed, sealed, delivered. I think Frazier will be a top three center in this class. Him and Van Pran, I feel uh, very, very confident in in this center class because we've just seen it from them out there. And and they're in for big years. They'll probably go through the all-star circuit. I'll throw in two more guys that are are total finesse athletic types at center, getting mm-hmm. away from Frazier and Van Pran. Dylan McMahon from NC State. They okay. play. He he's a weird one because I love what he could do at center. But last year, so six three and an eighth, two ninety five. So you're you're almost in like it's light. What well, Illinois was it? Uh, was it, it green? Um, it went to the Steelers. Ah, uh, can't remember his first name. Sorry, last name was Green. He he was the last interior offensive line guy I could think of that was barely 300 pounds. It's just a unique, unique spot to be in last year. McMahon played 108 snaps at left guard, 277 at center and 400 at right guard. I don't think that's a good recipe to set your player up for success, but obviously a team guy, he's a center at the next level at that size, top tier quickness that it really shines at the center position, but he's a middleweight fighting in the heavyweight arena. And then another guy I really like that I think is an NFL center is Christian Haynes. And I I know you got to see a little bit of him, Trevor. Uh, I think Haynes home is a long-term center. Uh, I think he's going to play there this this year, even though he's a guard for UConn. He's another really, really good athlete. So this class, it has athletes on the interior of the offensive line. If you're looking to be a, a, you know, predominantly heavy outside zone team. So Kendrick green actually showed up to the combine at three Oh five. I just looked it up and, um, now the Steelers have him listed at 315. So they threw some weight on him. You can't be playing sub three. Yeah. I remember going through his tape and I loved him. Yeah. Going through his tape with a with an O-line coach. Um, and he, he was like, dude, he's we had him playing at like 293 this year. Like we just we I could love him and we just can't draft a guy like yeah, that. So right. it's just it's just how the league goes sometimes. So shout out Zach Center. I like him a lot. Uh if you're into again, just more of a power profile player. Um I almost had him at number five. I almost, I almost had him in this top five. So that just goes to show that I was a fan of his game. I think that he's rock solid. I really do. Haynes was seven for me. Love the movement skills of him. I also feel as though center could be his best position. So I would agree with you there. One last guy that I wanted to shout out for sure. Donovan Jackson from Ohio state. Okay. He's, he's an interior offensive lineman for him. Six foot four, 320 pounds, former five-star guy moves super well. Like of the players who I, think could really rise up this list he is absolutely one of them i mean he's got he's got some of the best movement skills of anybody that i watched in the class again his game is just a little bit too finesse i just didn't see him displacing players uh, showing that kind of power that's really needed And, and he could be somebody who if he packs on some extra strength that we saw or that we could see this upcoming season a lot of people will watch him and go, they don't move like this dude does. There's a reason right. why he's a five-star interior offensive lineman. So I wanted to shout out Jackson because I could see a major rise for for him, but he's just a little too much finesse right now. Needs to round out his his power profile, but there we go. Anybody I like else? It. I think we got through a lot yeah, today did. for we offensive did. line. Those are the big beauties. Big Let beauties. us know what you guys thought of our offensive tackle rankings of our interior offensive line rankings. Some of the guys that just missed out on the list. We know that you got takes on these players as well. And you know, for everybody out there who's, who's listening and watching this podcast, offensive line play is tough to have a preseason list of. It's just not nearly as obvious because you don't have stats from the previous year. So if you're out there and you think that your favorite school or somebody that you watch really should be on the radar, Tell us about them. Hit us up in the comments. 
youtube.com backslash at NFL Stock Exchange. If you're watching this on YouTube and you haven't subscribed and liked the Smash. video yet, what are you doing? We'd really appreciate it if you did. We're almost up to 11,000 subscribers, which um, overwhelming love for you guys. Thank you guys so much for that. But hey, hey before we close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm an idiot, obviously. I really yeah. wanted to open the show with this. Not really. I just we we do so much draft, so much draft in college this time of year, which is great. It's how we like it, it's why we exist. I real quick, what because I'm in New York and I see all of it uh really funneled in either one side or the other, nothing in the middle. Mm-hmm. How do you think the Giants and Saquon Barkley figure this thing out? I know it is so wild, but it does have to do with our show because we evaluate running back prospects and the market. Joe Mixon just took a pay cut. Dalvin Cook's a free agent. Austin mm-hmm. Eckler is extremely unhappy right now. It, like, and it, there's been rumors of offers that he hasn't accepted. I, do you think we've gone too far to the other side where if a guy is the best playmaker on his team, I'm not saying you got to give him a four-year deal of guaranteed money, but I, I really wanted your take. We haven't talked to NFL in so long, and it is the biggest storyline I see uh, besides DeAndre Hopkins signing with the Titans, but like whatever, right now. what I just want your like 30 seconds is on this. Deadline get Monday? Off the is the deadline Monday? Is the deadline Monday? Evan Ingram got done, so that deadline is quickly approaching. Uh, great for Evan Ingram. What a what a resurgence. I think it's Monday. I I was always of the mindset that I thought that they were going to figure it out with Barkley. Me, because, me too. It's just so important to that franchise. It just feels like they're in on this core, right? You give Daniel Jones the money. You're giving some of these other players. They, you're in. You're investing on both sides of the ball. Like it feels like they're in on this core. They made the playoffs last year. So, but I also don't think that Joe Shane is just going to like throw around money right. willy nilly. And I, I know a lot of people go Saquon's the best playmaker on that team. I agree. Probably not what you want. Right. Like you, the grand you, scheme. you would want, yeah. like you, you would at the very least want a conversation between Saquon and probably two other Pass players catcher. who are yeah. impacting the passing game. Yes. So sure. the scarcity of what you have in the passing game should not force you to overpay on a position. Okay. This return on investment is uh, lower in margin to others. So like I'm, I'm all for, I know we're ending this podcast with like, Oh, here we go. PFF with running backs. But like, you and I are the you and I are the, the bad boys, the, the PFF bad boys. I'm not saying you shouldn't play Saquon Barkley, and ultimately, I felt like he was going to get a deal with the with the New York Giants. I just don't know exactly what he's like digging his heels in for. If the offers have been absolute, I'm not going to pretend to have have. Um, no, that's the thing. No one seen knows. every single offer, uh, so I don't know. I I think they're going to pay him. I think that he's going to be in New York for a while. That's just my take, but. Yeah. All right. I, I'm glad I asked your two cents because it is it is just a revolving topic and it. The f- it's, I think this, especially for this show and these listeners, it, the conversation to me is about the future of the position more than Saquon Barkley and the Giants. And it's fascinating sure. to watch. I think it's also about the future development of the team. Like, again, yes. I think a major factor of this is, sure, Saquon Barkley is the best playmaker on the team right now. It shouldn't be... Saquon far away. for as talented as Saquon is, it shouldn't be like, oh, Saquon's the best playmaker on the team, no question about it. Right. The roster should be better. The roster should have a couple of guys in the passing attack to where you go, okay, well, it's a conversation between three of them. And if it's a conversation between three of them, are you selling out all the money for Saquon still? Nah. If you are, then okay, then make the deal. But if not, don't hamstring your team from getting better the way that it needs to get better. So if you right. also hate running backs, hit us up in the YouTube comments. 
Uh, if you guys oh, are, are listening on audio only, we still love you. Um, you can hit us up on Instagram, on Twitter, on threads, even though I haven't logged into threads in like six days. It's uh, dead. It's, it's all damn Rest in peace. Connor J. Rogers. Threads died so fast. I, I talked to Trevor, I'm like, you on threads? He's like, no, I'm firing memes. Like, you got to start, you got to start <laughs> threading. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll start threading. Like three days later, nobody's, nobody's sent out a thread. It's literally dead. collecting cobwebs. It's dead. It's dead, folks. Maybe it's not. Hell run. Uh, summer summer scouting's not dead even though the uh we're done with the offensive side of the ball we're flipping over to defense and as we often do on this podcast we don't know what we're doing uh, <laughs> <laughs> no really we have no idea we don't know if we're doing edge rushers or air interior defensive linemen maybe we'll just have to wait and let it be a surprise when you guys see the episode drop boom that's the like position that. suckers and you gotta run and watch the video Connor, anything else before we get out of here? No, no. I, I already shot one random one random topic at you. I, that's all I got in the holster. I'm glad that sentence ended with you shooting a topic and not something else, because I thought that we were about to incriminate you as a co-host here on this podcast. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. I bear, I almost got this, the sweaty sack summer almost <laughs> got me off the show. I'm done. I'm out of words for one fine evening on the stock exchange. I'm Trevor Sigma. That's Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. See you guys next time.